హలో ఆల్ వెల్కమ్ టు ద హిందూస్ పార్లే After 20 years of fighting, the United States is set to end its military operations in Afghanistan by August 31st. Since May 1, the day the remaining U.S. troops started withdrawing from Afghanistan, the Taliban have made rapid territorial gains in the country. They have taken control of dozens of northern districts and several of the country's key border crossings, mounting pressure on the government of President Ashraf Ghani. Today, We have two distinguished guests with us to discuss the Afghan situation. Ambassador Jayant Prasad, who had served in Kabul as India's envoy, as well as the Director General of the Institute for Defense Studies and Analysis in New Delhi, and Professor Avinash Paliwal, Deputy Director of South Asia Institute of Syas University, London. Welcome to Parley, Ambassador Prasad and Professor Paliwal. Thank you. Uh, Ambassador, I'll start with the most critical question. How do you look at the current developments in Afghanistan? American media reported that there is an intelligence conclusion that Kabul could fall within 6 to 10 months once the Americans are out. Do you think it's actually happening? What are the prospects? That's perhaps somewhat exaggerated because I've reached, reached Kabul in January 2008. And even then, at the end of the year, Rather, let me say that when I was leaving Afghanistan in the middle of 2010, there were 150,000 ISAF forces there, including about 100,000 American troops. But even at that time, Taliban occupied 25 to 30% of the territory. Now, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in United States says that strategic momentum is with the Taliban. And people are writing the epitaph of the present Afghan government. But I think it's somewhat exaggerated. They have made gains. What is remarkable about the gains is that they have made gains in an unexpected area. In the north and the west, they have taken border posts on Iran, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, and Tajikistan. And also one of the two main border posts with Pakistan, which is exchanging hands daily between the Taliban and the Afghan government forces. But to say that the Taliban will occupy Kabul before long is perhaps an overstretch. and related to their pullout because the big song and dance now is that Western forces were shoring up the Afghan government. And now that they are not there, its demise is certain. But it's, I think, a bit early in the day because the Afghan army has begun to react and begun to reorganize. And now the Afghan Defense Ministry has a new chief, Bismillah Khan. So I guess that the priorities will change. Instead of stretching all over the place, they will concentrate on the border 
crossings because these are also the customs collecting points and they will also concentrate on the main trunk routes and the major cities. And I don't think Taliban has, even with assisted advisors from across the border, across the eastern border of Afghanistan, even so, I don't see them making great progress in their desire to occupy major cities. There is just one little point more that the Taliban have taken large tracts of rural areas and are now poised outside cities. But they will remain thus poised till the beginning of September when all the foreign forces pull out. And then September, October, November will be the big test for Afghanistan. If they can hold off the Taliban during that period, then anything can happen next year. Because then the Taliban will know that taking over Afghanistan is not as easy as might have appeared some time ago. So then if they have that realization, then the peace process may have somewhat better chance next year. But these three months will be critical, September, October, and November, before the winter sets in. Right. Yeah. Thank you, sir. So uh, so there are still prospects for the peace process, uh, depending on what will happen in the coming uh, two, three months. So, Professor Paliwal, so in that context, uh, uh, could we say that you know, the, the Americans could have negotiated for a better deal if things are not all that bad, if the government is not going to collapse. So when the Americans were out, things were at least, the security situation was at least better than what it is now. So did they stand a chance to negotiate a better deal with the Taliban that would also have addressed the political settlement between the Taliban and the government? Or they just wanted to get rid of, get you know, wanted to exit Afghanistan so that they rushed through this agreement, whatever agreement they could sign with the Taliban. So what is your opinion about it? Sunny, thank you for the question. There are two aspects to the possibilities that could have existed uh, between the United States and the Taliban when they, were, when they began talking in Doha earnestly a few years back. Uh, one aspect is the war and the way it has been executed itself and the effect of that execution on any potential negotiation. Now, this is not a war where the Americans and the larger security umbrella provided by the West as part of the international security assistance forces, uh, they were fighting a comprehensive, well-thought, long-term campaign to, to support the Afghan state in a fundamental way. I think this debate about whether we are there only for counter-terrorism purposes or whether we are there for nation-building purposes, uh, this was never resolved. And that led to this six-monthly cycle of use of kinetic force and kind of, you know, uh, entry of new troops who would go into the battlefield, have a kinetic military mandate and then come out, uh, American troops and other Western troops, which led to a lot of mismanagement of what we of the of, of the situation on the ground, both in terms of counterinsurgency efforts. Uh, as well as in terms of supporting the government in Kabul, right? This this fact that the West was essentially 
torn in what it actually wanted. It was unclear in what it wanted. Um, had a very kind of structural impact on, first of all, how it went ahead with the conversations, with the dialogue that it started with the Taliban, and what it could have potentially re- reaped out of that, right? This takes me to the second point of the negotiations itself. By the time uh, we reach a moment when, there are two moments when the Americans were serious about talking to the Taliban directly. One was sometime around 2012 during the government of President Hamid Karzai in Kabul, when the, I think 2012 or 13, when the Doha office was officially opened. And that was a moment perhaps a little bit premature because they had given a deadline by which they wanted to leave, which was in 2014. So the the talks when they began or when they were supposed to begin in 2012 really put off the Kabul government in a political sense. And there was a lot of pushback by President Karzai that you cannot enter direct communication with the Taliban because that would fundamentally undermine the political experiment in Afghanistan that had begun in end of 2001. When we see the next round of conversation beginning 2017-2018 under President uh, Trump, there is very clearly, uh, you know, the ground has shifted domestically within America. They did not want to continue fighting and losing soldiers and resources in Afghanistan, given the strategic priorities that they had uh, emerging with a very assertive China on the horizon. And there was also a very clear sense that given how they have actually fought this war, aimlessly perhaps, and perilously for that that effect, they could not have bargained much better than a withdrawal agreement. This was not a deal in which they were settling the fate of Afghanistan. This was a deal, this was a long process by which the Americans made sure that they would extricate themselves without without further losses. They were cutting their losses. That is what it has essentially been about. And in the process, legitimizing the Afghan Taliban diplomatically for the world to deal with as well. What we have seen, the outcome of that today has been that the Afghan Taliban is asserting itself. Um, And it has been using the talks with the Afghan government in Doha, which came after the talks that they held with the United States, to essentially as, as, as a uh, as a tactic rather than to you know to to assert itself and to kind of buy time and to continue pressing its legitimacy the world over rather than actually find a solution from what we can see because if there were any moment of proper solution political solution or any appetite for a political solution among the Taliban I think we would have seen the potence of that but unfortunately we haven't and I'll end my point with very strong agreement uh, with what Ambassador Prasad just said. It is too early to celebrate or to criticize, depending on which side of the spectrum one is, Taliban's tactical gains on the battlefield. Uh, this We have not reached the end game of this, of this round of fighting. I think we still need to see how it pans out. The Afghan forces are really reorganizing themselves. And they continue to actually have a kinetic air support from the Americans, as we saw in Kandahar. Just last week when the Taliban was trying to uh, aim for a full frontal assault against Kandahar city, the Americans really came in and began using air power in support with the Afghan Air Force. Uh, and the message to the interlocutors in Doha was very clear that you might be you might have uh, space to maneuver in rural areas, but the city centers and the provincial city centers, they are just off limits. 
This uh, actually takes us to India, Ambassador. You served in Kabul when the Indian mission came under attack. You have seen violence in Afghanistan up close. Now that Afghanistan is undergoing these changes, which both of you have just listed out, how do you look at those developments from an Indian point of view? Uh, which means, to be precise, what does India want in Afghanistan, and how can it do? What can it do to achieve those objectives? Actually, what India wants in Afghanistan is very simple. Our short-term strategic objective will be served fully if Afghans have a government in the future, as they have had in the last twenty years, that stands on its own feet in terms of decision making. who they can be friends with who they can accept cooperation from and so on so i agree with avinash that all these years we were faced with incessant experimentation by afghanistan's military allies there were not just united states and nato but also countries other countries friendly to the united states so when i left in 2010 there were members of 44 armed forces present in afghanistan that's a huge number so even if the coalition that supports the afghan authorities today dwindles to half that number or less than half that is enough to sustain an independent afghan government so i don't think we were looking for uh, an afghanistan inimical to inimical to pakistan we were not looking for an afghanistan which had bad relations with pakistan rather we would welcome good relations but afghans at least in my time and i hope in future as well will refuse to be anybody's slaves or anybody's subservient to anybody so i feel that the investments india has made they are going to remain because we heard reports that the harirud river dam the salma dam or the friendship dam has been occupied by the taliban but that's not the case and in any case even when the dam was being built there were always mortar attacks rocket attacks and peripheral taliban activity way back in 2008 2009 all the way through when the dam was ready finally 4 or 5 years later so what we are seeing is nothing absolutely new but what we are seeing unfortunately is making the afghan people pay a heavy price because i had a little bit of hope with a high level afghan team going to toha to talk to the taliban delegation led by mulla baradar but abdullah abdullah who led the afghan side came to delhi two days ago and he met our people and said that nothing had changed with the taliban and they were playing for time 
and they are playing a game of good cop bad cop because mulla baradar and suhail sharin the spokesperson of the taliban in doha they of course keep talking about peace but if they want peace now that the foreign forces are pulling out the first thing they should do is stop killing afghans whether they are from the armed forces or whether they are civilians there is no reason for them to continue because they are supposed to be part of afghan society an intrinsic element of it and so this continued violence is what is riling and the message from the field commanders and the military commanders of the taliban is completely to the contrary so to go back to india yes it is disquieting for india yes we'll have to see what to do and be dexterous and support those afghan communities which are willing to fight for their rights fight for an afghan constitution fight for afghan sovereignty and independence and afghan republicanism which is all there in the present constitution thank you thank you sir professor paliwal just taking the discussion further you have argued that india should hold talks with you have written recently that india should hold talks with the taliban uh, so why should the taliban i'm just uh, uh, you know turning it around why should the taliban engage with india because in the 1990s we saw that the taliban regime had uh, diplomatic ties with only three countries now you just said that the taliban have been legitimized by the americans through the withdrawal agreement and even london says they will engage taliban a taliban regime in the future today uh, so why should the taliban engage with india stanley firstly let me clarify when i say india should engage with the taliban the idea is not to to give in to the taliban demands the idea is not to give up on india's existing allies in kabul and elsewhere in afghanistan those communities which ambassador prasad hinted at uh, are ready to and willing to and are fighting for their rights um, the idea of india engaging with the taliban is simply that india at least at a working level must have channels with taliban representatives whether they are in doha or whether they are elsewhere on the ground in afghanistan just to make sure that in a potential eventuality of taliban takeover over uh, either in of kabul or different parts of the country india's interests are not harmed and there is some sort of a channel direct channel in that situation and this is keeping in perspective the fact that a stronger taliban is not necessarily going to be subservient uh, to the isi itself this is something that needs to be unpacked and appreciated uh, as a long term phenomenon this in this space of principal agent relationship so to say where the principal here is of course pakistan and the agent is taliban there is i mean there's a huge set of literature that the political interests and strategies don't always align and there is considerable discontent within the taliban uh, about its relationship with pakistan so that's what i mean when i say that you know india must have a channel open to kind of you know see what at least be aware of what the thinking within the taliban is more than anything else that's first thing second why should the taliban as you ask engage with india right and i would 
say that London statements have been a little hasty because London has been signaling that they might engage with the Taliban by officially by officially of recognizing the government regardless of uh, how they come to power even if there were some caveats attached the political signaling has been interesting because it makes life of uh, you know pakistan easy in terms of what to do if the taliban does take power over power rather than uh, waiting for a negotiated settlement that's not what i'm hinting at either as far as india is concerned taliban has always been interested in talking to india stanley when taliban came to power in 1996 september 25th uh they have been between that period and 1999 december christmas 1999 when the ich one four hijacking incident unfortunately happened there had been multiple signals by the taliban leadership then for india and other countries of course to engage with them at that point in time their simple sole desire was to have to be recognized officially recognized right by the rest of the world they had only had official support from from three countries saudi arabia united uh, arab emirates and and uh, and pakistan and they wanted a wider set of relationships in the international fora and that calculus remains till today from a regional perspective the taliban is very clear that they do not want to get in between the india pakistan crossfire and i think that's a message that we have they have tried to either subtly or or not so subtly overtly send and this happened especially when um, when india abrogated article 370 a couple of years ago this was at the peak of the us taliban conversation going on in doha and that whole process had to be temporarily halted for a couple of days given what had happened here uh, simply because, and taliban statement was very clear that look this is not our problem kashmir is not something that we want to wade into now or in the future so they have been very clear that if they are in a governance setup they want to have a good relationship with all neighbors um, and that includes india the question of course is whether they can sustain that kind of an outreach themselves given their dependence on pakistan today and in the and in the future and whether they can sustain that kind of a relationship with india especially in the light of pakistan's very clear messaging uh, whether it's through its national security advisor whether it's through its uh, prime minister or the foreign minister that they would not want uh, indian presence to be as sizable as it had been that's a test for the taliban that's something that we need to see whether they can pull off if they comes to come to power there is no clear sign in practice that it will happen and this is what is concerning this is there is no signal there's no kind of you know example used apart from the statements of course that they have been making which makes me confident that they can pull that off in uh, you know uh, an exercise where they're trying to extricate themselves out of the grasp that they have had or the dependency that they have with pakistan so that is something which we need to wait and watch but there are constituencies within the taliban who would want to have stable relationship with india uh even if there are very powerful factions especially the haqqani network and they have allies in the region such as jaish e mohammed and lashkar e taiba who would not let them happen so it's it's not just a dilemma for india whether or not to talk to the taliban i think it's a much more acute dilemma for the afghan taliban to s- decide whether to talk to india and to what extent right right thank you very much professor uh, ambassador prasad uh, lastly Uh, you said the coming 2 3 months would decide the prospects for a peace a serious peace engagement between the 
two factions of Afghan society. Suppose that the government uh, continues to defend uh, the city centers, uh, and then peace process begins. More, much more serious peace efforts begin next year. Uh, what kind of a political settlement uh, you expect to, you know, to happen there? I am asking this because there is no clarity on what uh, kind of a system that Taliban. No specific details that what Taliban want because Taliban say that they want a pure Islamic system, something which Mullah Omar said in 1996. So have the Taliban changed? Are they ready to accommodate the changes that happened in the Afghan society? So what what is your views on it, uh, sir? You know, if there is a serious discussion or negotiation between the Taliban and the Afghan government, despite the breakdown in Doha, they are continuing to talk to each other. It's not as if they are not talking. But whether these will be productive or not, we don't know. Taliban is basically playing for time. And there could be a contours of a agreement worked out that there is an interim government, but the contention there will be, and they postpone the discussions on the future makeup of the Afghan state, that of the constitution, of how Islamic it would be, because Afghanistan even today is an Islamic emirate. What the people in Afghanistan don't want right now is for it to become an Islamic emirate. They are an Islamic republic. So the other fundamental contradiction is that Taliban, in the best of times, will not accept alternance in power, that is, democratic elections, easily. But if they were to accept it, then the Afghans would be ready to compromise on the constitution, I guess, because then it would mean the end of four decades of fighting. And every Afghan wants peace and stability in the country. So the problem is I don't see, just as I feel that Pakistan is very important to a future settlement in Afghanistan, given their past performance in 1992, 1996, 2001, and today. It's very difficult to imagine that they would change course, especially when they think that the Taliban is winning. And I agree with Avinash that in the short term, it will be difficult for Taliban to assert its independence because in the Taliban, there are no good or bad Taliban. There are extremist and moderate Taliban. There are dependent Taliban and independent Taliban. Those Taliban that think that they are Afghans first, they are the independent ones. But by the time they can assert themselves, it is going to be a testing time ahead because Pakistan can always use one of the Taliban factions, such as the Haqqani network, to create or to hive off or to align with other terrorist forces. 
and create a new bugbear in Afghanistan. So the situation is pretty complicated. Right. Thank you, sir. Uh, Professor, uh, to conclude our discussion today, uh, what are your views on how to end the conflict in Afghanistan? Stanley, it's such a such a complicated situation that I have no silver bullets to offer. But I, I just hope that, uh, first of all, the Kabul government is able to bring about some political coherence within in the coming weeks. There is very clear intent being demonstrated by Kabul in terms of standing up to Pakistan, in terms of not letting the low morale of the Afghan national security forces to bog them down. They have been making progress on the ground. There have been districts which have been recaptured. The media, unfortunately, is not reporting that aspect of the story as much as it reported, and global media, right? Not just, I'm not blaming any particular media outfit, but there is there is a pushback on the ground which is being led by Kabul. But they're also kind of fractured from within. There are different power brokers uh, within the Republican camp which may try to cut a deal for themselves with the Taliban if they see the military momentum shifting against them. It has not happened with senior figures right now, but it may happen if things deteriorate militarily. So I hope that that, that, that doesn't happen. And if there is a moment of a, moment of a stalemate emerging in the next let's say, four to six months by the end of this year, then I hope both sides realize in earnest. And I hope that Pakistan realizes in all seriousness that now it is time to actually figure out a political solution to this conflict because the pain that will be inflicted by continuous violence uh, in Afghanistan, continuous conflict and civil war situation in Afghanistan in, you know, in the long term will not just hurt Afghanistan, but actually be very detrimental for Pakistan's social, economic, and political health itself. We have seen the rise, a very violent, a very spectacular rise, a resurgence of the Tehreek-i Taliban Pakistan. Its leader, Noor Ali, Ali Mesud, I think, is just given a video interview to the CNN, wherein he's really hoping for the Taliban to come to power, because that would empower the Tehreek-i Taliban Pakistan itself, which has in no uh, lack of kind of you know in in you know which has very clearly stated its intent to fight the Pakistani state. So I this is where I'm pinning my hope a realization in the next six five to six months among all sides, especially in Rawalpindi, that there has to be a political settlement to this issue. Otherwise, this is going to blow back for them very heavily in the years to come. Thank you, thank you very much. Let's hope that all stakeholders will come to that conclusion and push for a political settlement to the Afghan crisis. Uh, thank you, Ambassador Jain Prasad, and thanks, Professor Avinash Palewal, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.